Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mike Springston FFC Podcast, where we coach you in the Word. Hope you're having a great week getting ready for your Thanksgiving tomorrow. Um, We are praying a blessed Thanksgiving upon everyone who is downloading, listening, studying the Word of God along with us. And we know that you and your family are going to enjoy a blessed time of fellowship together. Uh, Of course, during that time, make sure and give thanks and make sure and identify and recognize all of the many blessings of God that have come across your life and your family's lives. Uh, God has been good to every one of us. Well, today we're going to look into uh, fervent and effectual prayer. And we're going to look into James chapter 5, verse 15 and 16. Before I do that, I want to again say thank you to all of those of you that are downloading from around the world and studying the Word of God along with us. We are certainly privileged to have you. And um, we want to remind you that you can contact us at springston56 at gmail.com, mikespringstonministry.com, ffcma.org, or through Family Fellowship Chapel's direct messaging. Any one of those ways will reach us. Uh, We'd love to hear from you, a word of encouragement, a question. Um, And maybe you've got us, God is moving on your heart, and maybe there's something that we need to do in ministry together. And uh, we we would love to hear from you on any of those, and uh, um, pray that that God will um, minister to you through our work, and uh, that we can study together to show ourselves approved. So today we're going to talk about fervent and effectual prayer. Let's have a quick word of prayer and and then we will begin our study. Father, we thank you for the word of God. Open our eyes that we can see our ears, that we can hear in our heart, that we can understand what the word of God is saying to us. And then may we apply it to our lives so that we can be changed in the image of your dear son. Jesus, we ask you to speak to us today. We ask you to use the Holy Spirit to show us what we need to know, do, understand, and demonstrate. And we sanctify ourselves before you and yield ourselves and surrender ourselves to your uh, word. We will receive your word and we'll release it to your people. I pray now that you'll bless this teaching in the name of Jesus Christ, who is our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Amen and amen. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if you have committed sin, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Well, I've been hearing a lot uh, in the the last month or so, a lot of organizations talking about prayer, a lot of organizations going to prayer, uh, a lot of prayer uh, vigils and meetings being held around the country by various organizations and denominations. And, and so uh, as I begin to meditate on that, um, the Lord began to open my eyes to some things that I need to share with you concerning prayer. And, uh, um, you know, for years um, I studied uh, and watched and listened to great preachers. 
great preachers um, who uh, would do what they would call travail in prayer and spend all night in prayer. And and uh, uh, I heard about one preacher who after coming out of the sanctuary early in the morning, uh, he was described as being totally disheveled. His hair was everywhere. His clothes were, you know, all uh, disheveled. And, and um, that next night, that night, that evening in the pulpit, rather, he told how he had wrestled that entire night. Uh, and um, naturally, um, there was a great move of God from that. And uh, that, that concept has been the concept that has been used in prayer um, by many for many years. And then um, that type of, of prayer um, kind of was turned into a, uh, a ministry of lesson prayer uh, where we begin to try to break down prayer and understand what each different sort of prayer was and how best to execute that prayer. And in an- analyzing that prayer uh, really uh, brought us to a place where we probably don't do much prayer. Uh, and then uh, about um, five years ago in my own ministry, I began to take a very close look at prayer and looking into the tabernacle prayer of which I used and, and that tabernacle prayer, uh, which, you know, could take anywhere from 45 minutes to four or five hours uh, to get through, uh, led me into another um, avenue of understanding of prayer um, that uh, how prayer is related to the six works associated with Jesus Christ from the cross to the tomb to the resurrection to the high priesthood to his lordship and to his operation as man in the Godhead and then how associating that prayer to the six works of salvation, you know, forgiveness at the cross, preservation at the tomb, deliverance at the resurrection, safety in the, in the uh, operation in the tabernacle, soundness in his lordship and wholeness from the man in the Godhead bodily. So, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've chased this concept of prayer and use prayer and pray. Um, most of my prayer is done in the middle of the night, and um, and and you know I also spend time in prayer in the day. But my in-depth prayer is done in the middle of the night, and of that I I feel very blessed. But as I begin to look and listen and uh, hear uh, the concepts of prayer that are operating out there, it brings me to question what our prayer as we understand it is actually accomplishing. So where does the prayer of faith come from? Who's praying the prayer of faith? Well, the prayer of faith is a gift from God. It involves the operation of the blood 
which engages grace. This is the grassroots view of faith. This engagement with faith saves us, destroys the work of the curse against our flesh, and then disengages us with the old sin nature. This, of course, is dynamic as it brings the person through the most powerful elements of the acts of Jesus Christ from the cross to the resurrection. These are the personal places where salvation is embedding itself in the changed life of the believer. From here he begins to express the fruit of the Spirit that reflects that he is transitioned from being changed to being transformed. But when we get to James chapter 5, in the verses that we have mentioned, verses 15 and 16, we have begun to operate in a different and more spiritual realm. Here prayer takes on a completely different identity. Now I want to say this, prayer is not falling, crying, stumbling, muttering, calling on God from a position of lack. That's not what prayer is here. Prayer is not banging and beating and hollering as if we are having trouble contacting the God of the universe. It's not what prayer is here. Prayer is a dynamic relationship. The prayer of faith is brought forward by using the name of Jesus as its keys, key for entrance. From this key, we enter into the offices of Jesus Christ. In his names and titles that affect the plan of salvation as it relates to the things that man inherits from what Jesus has done for us as the sanctifier who sanctifies his brethren. This is prayer that engages the office of Jesus Christ as he's revealed in his heavenly capacity. We're going to see after we leave the actions that were accomplished by Jesus in the earth. Will our prayer become a prayer of petition? Will it include the concept of us continuing as a beggar? What are we going to see after we leave these actions that were done on the cross, in the tomb, and in the resurrection? Too frequently our prayer remains earthbound. We do not identify with the Jesus Christ who is changed from the earthy, earthbound, to the heavenly operator. We exert a lot of energy in prayer, and we feel as though it's fervent because of the energy expanded. But our earthly intentions of energy expansion bring minimal results. We perceive fervent as meaning intense, 
That is what Webster says it is. But our earthly intensity and energy is described by Zechariah. And in chapter 4 and verse 6, he uses these powerful words. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. So what we consider as fervent in our flesh has no relevance in the spiritual domain. Now why is that? Because the spiritual domain functions on the power of the spirit. So if we say, if we pray with passion and intensity, then the spirit will be released. If we press in, then the spirit will be released. If we jump and shout and bounce, then the spirit will be released. These are the might of men and the power of men that think that their actions are going to be the actions that are going to move heaven. I want to tell you something, my friend. There are actions that move heaven, but they are the actions of Jesus Christ. There are the replications of those actions that are done by the Holy Spirit in man that allows man to come through those actions and move heaven. Now why do we perceive this? Because those that pray that way do not understand prayer and how prayer becomes fervent. Those that want to get up and yell and holler and cry and beat and beg and walk and pace and stumble don't understand prayer and how prayer becomes fervent. So how does it become fervent, you ask, when we pray from the perspective of which the office of Jesus Christ is engaged and operating? Until we enter the area of which his passion is expressed, we're engaging with our earthly power and our earthly abilities. What good are either of these in prayer? Well, Zechariah tells us that it is not in these things. It is in the Spirit that must speak for us and speak to us. Along with that, we do not identify with the effectual part of James's writing. We have no concept of how our engagement is successful in producing a desired or intended result. This lack of understanding then results in much effort and energy expanded, but with little or no production. Now we can go in our flesh and we can do all of the theatrics that we know of as prayer because so-and-so did it that way. And we read a book about so-and-so and how he did it and walk out of there absolutely exhausted in our flesh, but our mind telling us that we have really touched heaven. Why? Because we're exhausted. God must have heard. Well, the reality is, my friend, that 
Zechariah has told us it's not by your might and it's not by your ability. So what we have done is we've exhausted ourselves in prayer with little or no actual production. This becomes very frustrating to us because we pray and we pray and we pray and we just don't seem to find a way. And then we say, well, the time is now for me to act. I prayed about it. So this action seems to be the most reasonable and common sense action for me to take. So I'll take it. And then we take it and it fails miserably. It falls on its face. It doesn't bring anything to conclusion that we would look at and say, that's awesome. Look what God has done. And so what do we do? We become frustrated. We become those that say, you know, God, I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm saying, I'm praying, I'm, 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 and you, God, are not doing for me what it is I'm asking you to do. You're not communicating as you have said you would. Aha. Uh-huh. So we get frustrated. We know what the word says concerning the hearing of a righteous man, but it often appears that we go unanswered. Now that's a good question. That's a good question right there. So what does a righteous man make? How does a man become righteous? Well, Jesus was clothed in righteousness after he was delivered and resurrected. He was clothed in righteousness. And he became, was made to be, by the force of the blood, the righteousness of God. So if we've never understood picking up our cross and following Jesus, then we've never understood how the blood actually made you to be the righteousness of God. We never understood it. Why? Because no one ever told us. No one ever told us that we needed to go to the cross to get forgiven and to be healed in our spiritual man, but that we need to go to the tomb where we would be death, the curse would be uh, pronounced as dead in our flesh. Then we need to follow him to the resurrection where we would be brought out and clothed in righteousness and, and delivered from the old nature. So when we pray and we pray from the position of righteousness of which we have followed Jesus Christ in, things change. Now it doesn't change if you do not understand that the next step of Jesus Christ is more essential in prayer, in prayer, than the first step, the second step, or the third step. Because what Jesus Christ does next, which is become the high priest after the order of Melchizedek where he sanctifies you and calls you brethren, well, it is in there that grace's portions change. We'll get to that. Now, so we make up in prayer, from prayer, common sense things. And it is in those common things that we find our temptation. 
send those common things that we choose, the areas that become entrapping to us, entangling to us. Why? We prayed. Yeah, we did, but we didn't pray from the right perspective. We didn't pray in the right order. Therefore, we were unable to appropriate what Jesus Christ has done for us, of which I'm going to teach you as we go through this study on prayer. So we make up common sense remarks about prayer. Things such as sometimes, you know, those, those sometimes quotients. Sometimes, you know, in prayer, God says yes. Sometimes he says no, and sometimes he says wait a while. And then sometimes, you know, he just says maybe, and leaves us there. Well, we then move forward beyond that to the idea of of obtaining the will of God. So his answers are developed from the sometimes quotient, according to our modern day teachings on prayer, based on his will. Well, how are we to determine his will? There are two means to determine his will. One is his word, and that is quite clear. The others are his actions and replications. If we can read, we can comprehend his will. And if we knew what he has done for us and what he desires to replicate in us, well, then we could also know his will. If we knew these, these two things, then we could become fervent and effective in prayer. So where is the problem in prayer? We desire to pray without understanding either of these basic fundamentals. Therefore, we die for lack of knowledge. We exert energy, time, and effort, but it lacks the fundamental understanding that would engage the prayer pattern of which Jesus has prescribed So prayer fails to produce and reproduce the results of which his word declares that it will do. (laughs) So what then? We get frustrated. We become disillusioned. And we often divorce ourselves from engaging in an activity that we see as fruitless. The problem is neither frustrating nor fruitless if engaged in prayer correctly. It is the means that God has made to bring peace, joy, the operation of the Spirit of truth and the glory of Jesus Christ that is given to you. So how do we pray to actually engage the man who is in the Godhead bodily? Well, we have to understand his offices to which He engages himself in prayer for us. We have to understand what he has done, how he has done it, 
what he is doing from what he has done and how he is revealing that to you and me. And we have to understand that the name of Jesus Christ is the entrance into the offices from which he organizes and operates the meeting of our needs in prayer. I'm going to teach you all of that as we go through this, but I'm going to stop right here because I want you to think about what it is we've, prayed, we've, we've taught today. I'm going to bring you to this point to know there is a means to have a fervent, a passionate and intense prayer. And there is a means to find the place where passion and intensity becomes effective. But it is not through your might, your power, or your ability. I'm going to show you as we go through this teaching. Father, I pray that you will minister to your people and as we learn the fervent and effectual pattern of prayer from a righteous man that avails much. I pray that we will put it into practice and that from that practice we will grow and you will equip us to be a better minister of the word of God and the truth of the gospel. I ask it all in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, who is our high priest, our Lord, <coughs> and our man in the Godhead. Amen and amen. Well, God bless you until we meet again. We'll be coming back to you with part two of Fervent and Effectual from James chapter 5. Find him as Lord, my friends. You're going to find <coughs> there is a depth in his lordship you never knew. Find him as the man in the Godhead and he'll show you great mighty things that are to come. God bless you until we speak again.